You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on some of those essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. Here we cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Josh Rayley. We've got a great episode in store for you. I had the chance to catch up with Brandon Godore from the Quiver app. Now, if you're not familiar with Quiver, Quiver is an app for your phone that is super simple, and it's basically a hunt log. Like if you're familiar with workout apps or running apps or those kinds of things, you know how simple they are. You just get on the app, hit start workout or start run, and uh, you can keep up with all of your stats right there. The Quiver app is very, very similar. You can keep up with sightings and your hunts and uh, all the weather conditions and all that good stuff right there in the app. It's really, really easy to use. And Brandon has built up over the years hunter sighting data. And uh, in this episode, we're not only going to talk about the Quiver app, but some of the trends that Brandon has seen as he's pulled some of that data out. We're going to talk about things like uh, time of the year when hunters are seeing the most. We're going to talk about how deer and sightings correlate with weather fronts. We're going to talk about uh, hunting in the middle of the day and the success rate of those who do hunt the middle of the day, especially during the rut. So we cover lots of good topics. If you haven't seen the Quiver app already, I'm going to put all the important links in the show notes so you can go check it out. You can also just search the app store for the Quiver app and it should bring it up. After uh, having this opportunity to chat with Brandon, I pretty much decided that I've got to have this guy on again because there are lots and lots of questions that I have for him now, knowing the kind of data that he has access to. So you won't want to miss this great episode ahead. Uh, Guys, we're getting into the later part of November. Things are really starting to cool off right now. And if you're looking for some new camo, something that's going to keep you warm without uh, making you feel like the Michelin man while you're out there, you need to go check out Huntworth Camo. You can find them at huntworthgear.com. Their new Heat Boost line of clothing is absolutely phenomenal. I wore their Saskatoon pants, their Saskatoon jacket, and the Saskatoon vest while I was hunting in Wisconsin. And man, it kept me super warm. And I know those temperatures are really starting to dip off just in time for firearm seasons around the country. So head over to their website, huntworthgear.com, and check some of that gear out. 
Also, guys, if you're thinking about trying to film your hunts, maybe you've been researching or looking for ways to do that. Maybe you've been trying to use your phone or you've been lugging in a big heavy camera with a camera arm like I've been doing. You need to go check out Tacticam's 6.0 camera. It provides 4K 60 frame per second footage, gives you up to 8x zoom. It's got an LCD touchscreen on the outside. It's totally waterproof, weatherproof, and the image stabilization is a huge step forward from last year's model. You can go find that at Tacticam.com. You can also find their full lineup of mounts and adapters that are made specifically for hunters and fishermen. I personally love the uh, the bindi clamp mount because I can put that pretty much anywhere. It'll clip onto almost anything and uh, get that camera aimed and pointed just right. I also like the stabilizer mount for my bow. Now that we're getting into firearm season though, I'm gonna be checking out the FTS, which is the film through the scope. Basically, you're just able to take your Tacticam camera and film straight through your scope when you're hunting, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, so go over to their website, Tacticam.com, check out more of their products. Also want to say thanks to Deer Lab for supporting this episode. Uh, Deer Lab is the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. If you've not tried out Deer Lab, you can go to their website right now, DeerLab.com, and get a 30-day risk-free trial. They're not going to ask for your credit card information or anything like that. You're just going to get 30 days for free. They've got tons of features. It syncs your photos with local weather, so you can really get a good idea of how the deer are using your property with specific wind directions or weather conditions. Uh, As you're getting into the late season, that's going to be more and more important, uh, especially as food is key, uh, cover is limited, and those bucks are a little more wary now that they've been shot at quite a few times. Like I said, head to their website, DeerLab.com, to learn more and to get your free trial. When you're ready to purchase, you can use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, to get 20% off of any of their plans. And last but not least, this episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Guys, there is no other piece of hunting equipment that I use more often than my Onyx Hunt app. It played a critical role for my rutcation hunt there in Wisconsin. It's going to play a huge role for me next week as I'm hunting some family property in Alabama. And then as I venture out here in Georgia and do some late season hunting, it's going to play a huge role there. If you're not already using Onyx, you can find them on your preferred app store. You can get a seven-day free trial, or you can go to their website, onyxmaps.com, to learn more. Now, with all the commercials out of the way, let's jump right into the episode with Brandon Gador of the Quiver app. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to an episode of the podcast. Today, I've got Mr. Brandon Gador on the line with me from Quiver. Brandon, what's up, buddy? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Just uh, on the way back from the rutcation at this point, holed up in a hotel room. Thought I'd take a little bit of time to talk to you about the Quiver hunting app. And uh, first, though, I'd like to kick it off and say, man, where are you from? What do you do? Like, give me a little bit of background info about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, first off, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I know you've been out grinding in the woods, so I appreciate you taking some time and uh, also maybe a little break while you're on your way back home. But yeah, so grew up in Wisconsin, grew up whitetail hunting there, and then uh, went to Madison. And then after that, I uh, moved out to actually to the Bay Area for work. Um, and, and to be honest, like, you know, living out in the Bay Area is really rough as a whitetail hunter. And there's not a lot of not a lot of hunting opportunity around there. So got into fishing quite a bit, but was really missing, you know, whitetail hunting at the time. And so that's when I started tinkering around with the idea of like, okay, well, how can I take what I've been learning around, you know, building technology products and apply it to the, the outdoor space. And, and that's where I started working on Quiver as a, a side project. And so really 
it was just been kind of a passion project, something I work on on the side. Um, and since then, I've moved to Denver, live in Denver now, and, and do a lot more Western hunting out here, really focused around archery elk in September. So, like, September is my, my rut for whitetail hunters now. Like, everything's geared around September. Um, but, man, do I miss those first couple weeks in November when that rolls around. I try to get back when I can, but uh, i got two little ones at home now, and it just makes it tough, so. Yeah, man, that those two weeks in November, first couple weeks in November are, are a special, uh, special time. You you mentioned you got into fishing when you were in the Bay Area. I've never heard of anybody fishing around there. Is is there good fishing? Yeah, so I mean, I grew up like you know in Wisconsin fishing the lakes a bunch and like a lot of that type of fishing. But uh, in the Bay Area, I got much more into fly fishing because uh, north of the Bay Area, there's a set of you know five or six rivers that are unbelievable trout trout fishing now it's a haul to get up there but the fishing up there is incredible and then also steelhead so like that's a really really like special part of the state as far as for fishing it's just a haul to get up there oh very cool man very cool i i um i i did a lot of fishing along the gulf coast when i was a kid um grew up you know always looking at people fly fishing for trout and then i moved to wisconsin that's really when i started kind of diving into that and fly fishing in the driftless and man that that hooked me pretty quick. I mean, that was, that's a, that's a really special place and fishing those small streams. There's just something about it. I've never really had the opportunity to hunt those big Western rivers though for trout. I'm sure that's a whole different kind of experience. It is, but like that part of the state and fishing in that part of the state, Wisconsin is like really special. And so when I come back in the spring to Turkey hunt, I try to time it to also then fish for a few days before. And like those little creeks and those coolies and just, just that whole part of the state is just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, tell me a little bit about the quiver hunting app. So, uh, you reached out to me and we, we got to talking a little bit. And the first thing I couldn't believe was that the app is free. Like you just, you just jump on, you get, I was like, wait, just, wait, what's, what's going on? There's, there's a disconnect here. Cause usually when people reach out and say, Hey, we'd like you to, you know, we'd like to come on the show. We'd like to talk to you about it. There's some kind of fee associated or something like, man, that this is a free app you can download. So what is it and and where did this idea come from? Yeah, so, um, you know, I had tinkered with different ideas as far as like how to combine my my skills as far as building technology products with my passion for the outdoors and like had a few iterations along the way, but eventually landed on like, how do I actually just create a tool for, for hunting? And growing up hunting and, and when I got more like heavily into whitetail hunting, I was just taking a ton of notes. Like I always taking notes in the, in the stand, whether it was on my phone or mostly on my phone, but just like jotting down notes along the way. Um, and then when I was starting to think about this idea for quiver uh, at the time, I was using another app called Strava, which is used for like running, biking. And it's just, a, it's a really easy way to track your, like when I go mountain biking or running or something, I'm like this combining this kind of idea for a white hunt, white tail hunter would be amazing. It's like I can, you know, start a hunt, I can start pulling in all the weather data. I can easily log events and just kind of just create this like history and mobile journal for myself. And so that's really kind of was the start of it. And the the app is really just kind of um, stuck to that, that kind of core problem set. Like there's a lot of other things that we could go do and I, I would love to go do more of that. But um, we hit, we hit kind of a niche there where it was like a really just simple, easy to use app. Um, I have started to charge for it now just because it's reached a size and scale where it's getting expensive to run and I need to figure yeah, that part out. Absolutely. Um, 
So I'm, I'm working on that now as far as like how now to like support the development of it and the maintenance of it. Cause like, it's getting expensive to run to be honest. So like yeah. poor business side of it, but like, I, I love working on it. Sure. Sure. Man, that's one of the things that, that blew me away when I first downloaded it. Like, I mean, first of all, everybody's got their phone with them when they're in a tree stand these days. Like that's just, that's a given, but how simple it was. Like it wasn't one of these really complicated, um, apps that, you know, want all this information or wasn't hard to navigate. Like it's super simple. It's like, it, like you said, it's just like your jogging app, right? You're like start yep. running now, you know, and, and boom, yep. it, it's ready to go. So tell me a little bit about what your, I guess, goal is for the app. Is this more of data collection? Is this more of, Hey, I want to help guys plan their hunting and be more efficient. Is it a little bit of everything? Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of everything. I think, um, you know, the other thing too, at the time when I was working on this is to your point, a lot of the apps that were out there were just like overcrowded and busy and all these pop-up ads. And so we really wanted to focus on the user experience early on. Like how do we just make, make this thing really like elegant and easy to use so that people want to come back and use it. And so that was a big focus of it. And really it's like really been around like this mobile journal. Like how do you just track these events for you to make it so that you as a hunter can then log the activity over time and then make better decisions in the future. And now, and there's like other things that we could do and want to do. I say we, but it's me. Um, <laughs> that like, it's the uh, Royal we, the Royal we. Yeah, the Royal we, exactly. Um, you know, there's other like uh, enhancements and things that we can do to improve upon it. But um, honestly, I just haven't gotten to that those yet. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So how long has the app been around? It's been five years. Um, I go, I, um, I kind of go back and forth as far as like, um, how much time I can spend on it. But, you know, with having two kids in the family now makes it a little more tough, but, uh, this time of year, like leading up into the hunting season, hunting season, when I get really active on it again, because that's when all the action happens. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, really interesting. You sent me, uh, kind of some reports and write-ups that you'd done based off of what guys have been able to learn um, from using the app. So start to walk me through a little bit of that stuff. I mean, there are some specific things we talked about beforehand, cold fronts, uh, hunting middle of the day, uh, rut, especially when it comes to rut timing. And then one of the things that I had actually written down before we even started the conversation was weekday hunts, because I've always been a big weekday hunter. I worked at a church for 12 years. So weekends were kind of out of the out of the question for me. I mean, Saturdays are when people are off work. So I'm at people's homes or having lunch or that's when people can meet with me. And then Sundays obviously are taken up. So if I was going to hunt, it was going to be on a Wednesday morning. You know what I mean? Middle of the week. And I always felt like that was better. Like I felt like I saw so many more deer than I heard other people talking about. So let's start to kind of jump into a lot of that and I'll just kick it over to you wherever you want to start. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I think um, as, as, as hunters, we have, there's all these theories out there around like why and when deer move and when the rut is. And like they're kind of old wives' tales. Some of them are, are backed by data, but a lot of them are just like wives' tales that were just kind of like passed down through our, like our hunting camps or from our, our dads or whatever. And so the, the, the thing for me was we have all these users that are tracking all the different hunts across the country. Mainly actually, it's mainly east of the Mississippi because it's like primarily a white-tail hunting app. But we have all these people tracking these hunts. Well, then we can start to leverage this data to drive more insights around like when and why are deer actually moving. And so um, I've actually been spending a ton of time over the years just mining the data to like 
tease out these different trends. And one thing I'll call out is like privacy is incredibly important to me. And so all of the data that we share as far as on our blog posts or when I talk about it, it's all anonymized and an aggregate. Like, um, cause you know, we're not going to give away our spots. Like sure. that's just part of, especially for the public land, whitetail hunter, like they're not going to, they're not going to tell you. And, and I treat that, that information with the utmost privacy and just to like respect our users. So anyways, any of the trends and things I talk about are all like in aggregate and anonymized. So I think the, the first thing is, is like, you know, if you listen to, you know, any of the Drury's talk or any of those blog posts, they always key in on these, these, uh, weather systems that are moving through and, and specifically cold fronts. And we always, you know, talk about it as deer hunters, uh, timing these cold fronts or these big drops in weather. And so a few years back when we had a big weather front move through Wisconsin, I, I was like, well, let's see what, what happened in the data actually after that, that time. And so I basically was able to track the storm moving through Wisconsin. And then over a seven day stretch, I looked at, okay, how many hunts were going on in the app? throughout Wisconsin. And you can see over the weekend that, you know, the amount of hunters that hit the woods was, was higher, which is what you'd expect. But like, once I started to plot the line of like how many deer were seen, it was really interesting to see that line really jump after the cold front. And so we have a blog post and, um, you know, we can send the link out afterwards, but you, I have these charts that I put together that show this activity. And it's, it's really clear that after that cold front, you do see a big spike in deer movement. And so for any of us that spend a lot of time in the woods, we know that that happens. We can see it ourselves. But it was really interesting to see the data validate that. Hey, guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the How to Hunt Deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with a 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Yeah, one of the things I'm, I'm really curious about, um, so that lines up with my personal experience, right? And that's something that as whitetail hunters, we, everybody says, you know, I see more deer after a cold front. Um, a couple of things with like some collared deer data uh, sometimes doesn't necessarily back that up. They say, oh, the deer moved the same amount of, cover the same amount of ground. And that's all fine and good. But I'm wondering if they're covering how much, how much ground are they covering between 3.30 p.m. and 5.30 p.m.? Like that's what really matters to me. I don't care about their total daily total, you know, that, that they yeah. cover. And when you're, you're mining this data, you're taking into account hunter efforts because that's been a lot of the things too. Oh no, guys just like to get out then. That's why they think they see more deer, but that's not necessarily the case. You've taken that into account and sort of even the playing field when looking at the data, right? Yep. Yep. I'm normalizing the amount of deer seen. So basically it doesn't matter if there was, you know, 500 hunts logged or 200 hunts logged. It's normalized around that to see like, okay, on average, how many how many deer is a, is a hunter seen? 
Yeah, so tell me then uh, about, you know, let's say a cold front is moving through. Talk to me about the 24 to 48 hours beforehand, during the front, and then maybe afterward. What are the trends that you're seeing? Yeah, and so this was, you know, one specific weather event that we looked at. Like, it'd be interesting to go back and look at more and see how much that, like, standardizes across it. But, like, in this specific case when we looked at it, it was a 67% jump in deer activity as far as deer that we're seeing. So like a pretty massive pop. Yeah, that's huge. Cause, yeah. Cause like, um, the other thing too is not when you go out to hunt, like you're not going to see a deer every time. Most, most, most likely, right? Like, sure. you know, maybe you are, but like in this case, the average jumps so much higher after this cold front pushed through where if we look at the kind of like the trailing, the days before the cold front and then after it, it was about a 67% pop in deer movement. Wow. So not necessarily a big jump. I know a lot of guys who said, well, I'm going to try to get out before this front. Uh, you know, maybe the deer will be moving before. I've never personally had a lot of luck with that, but you're not seeing a big jump prior to the front moving through. No, we didn't. Not in this experience, but not with this one. Um, I mean, you, you hear that as, a, as something. It'd be interesting to go back and like, so like that's something we can look at even for some cold fronts that are coming through. Like I think there's one pushing through tomorrow in Wisconsin. Um, and that's something we can look at leading up to it. But in this, in this particular case, there was no movement before the, before the cold front pushed through. Wow. One, one thing that I would love for you to look at, and I don't know how many Southern users you have, um, but mm -hmm. I, I hunt Alabama, I hunt Georgia, I also hunt Wisconsin, kind of all over the place, right? In Alabama, we always wanted to get out on those first mornings after that cold front blew through. But it was like the first morning after the front was just dead. You know, and, and the deer, maybe they're just... Maybe it's because they're used to such high temperatures that those drops are, you know, it kind of seems to shut down deer movement. But then we would start to see deer later in the day as things kind of started to warm up a bit. But if you've got a hard frost on the ground, it was like, oh, man, they're not, you're not seeing anything this morning. Now, the day after that, you know, when, when things kind of stabilized, it seemed like, okay, they kind of figured out, like, the sky's not falling. Uh, they really can get out there and move. So, um I'd be really curious if you could look at that, um, you know, at some point. Talk to me yeah. now about uh, the whole 10 to 2 movement thing because I'm just getting done from my rutcation. I'm on my way home. I'm sitting in a hotel room right now talking to you, right? Um, yeah. I sat a lot of all-day sits during this rut. I'm talking climb up in the dark, hang in a tree saddle, and I didn't get down. I hung in that saddle all day long. My feet never touched the ground until after dark. So talk to me a little bit about the 10 to two, because after this, uh, after this hunt, I need some more motivation to keep doing it. Cause I didn't have a lot of luck midday. <laughs> I'm curious though. Like, what did you, what did you find to help pass the time for you up there? That's a long time, man. It, it's forever. Um, honestly having my phone, uh, you know, passing the time I'm, I'm always scrolling on X. So I'm always planning kind of my next move and trying to figure mm -hmm. out, okay, where am I going next? What's the next play? Um, and did a lot of reading, you know, just yeah. that this is, you know, I don't have to bring a book anymore. I've got my Kindle on Kindle app right. on here and I can yeah. just read all day. Um, but yeah. And so I've got three young kids at home too. So it takes a lot for me to feel bored. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, Oh, it's actually quiet. Like I, I struggle yeah. with like trying to turn off the internal, you know, speed yeah. race that's still going on. So, um, yeah, totally. yeah. And that's, um, and that's a good point too. Like 
you know, Onyx is an amazing app for when you're, you know, finding properties or, or figuring out public. And like, I feel like that, that app or, and some of the other apps that work with mapping are really powerful around that. Like where Quiver comes in is really around like once you have your spot. Yep. Like once yep. you know like you have your spot dialed and this is where your stands are, that's where Quiver comes into play around like just logging the events that you're having in the different stands. But um, but yeah, like okay, so the the afternoon hunts. This is another kind of one of those wise tales out there around like people say like you will catch bucks cruising middle of the day, and you can get lucky sometimes. And so um, that got me curious around looking at okay, what's the data that we're seeing in the app and, and how did that line up as far as that theory and so um you know in this blog post we kind of work through through breaking down that story and it's really interesting like you look at okay for all the hunts track and quiver and this is again looking in the midwest uh what hours of day are, are hunters hunting and you see like a big camel's back right like everybody hits the morning everybody hits the evening which makes sense like that's when i would typically target my hunts too like you know um and then you get to those all day sits late, like in November, but typically it's the big camelback. Um, but then I started to, I did the same thing where I looked at, okay, when I normalized the data around, okay, for average, average deer seen and average bucks taken, no average, sorry, I looked at bucks and does. So average bucks seen and average does seen, what does that look like? And basically you see a small rolling hill if you go by the hours of the, the day across um, across the graph. And so I was like, huh, that's really interesting. Like, even if you have way more guys out hunting in the morning and evening, on average, you're actually seeing more deer during the day. And the funny thing is, um, is I've actually had a lot of people reach out after reading this blog post, like the blog post is like hunt 10 to two. Um, and say that I saw this blog post and I went out and sat and I've actually, and I actually took a deer after I read this blog post, which is like, Amazing that's cool. to get that feedback. Yeah. But um, yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So lots more movement middle of the day than uh, maybe even than you expected when you started really crunching the data. Are you, one, is that going to change and influence kind of the way you hunt? And two, was there a big difference between buck and doe sightings during the middle of the day? Because that's what I usually hear is like you'll catch that midday cruiser. Um, mm -hmm. But when I've hunted middle of the day, I've seen a lot of does. You know, I have, I've yet to take that midday buck. Now I've seen small bucks midday and I've seen does midday. So are you seeing a difference there between buck and doe sightings? Yeah. So it was like, I think, I mean, the trend was pretty similar for the two, but in this case, we're actually seeing a little bit more does and bucks, but actually the, it's interesting because the doe trend is a little bit more like of an even slope across the middle of the day where the bucks is a little bit more spiky. So I don't know what that means, but the buck, the buck line does pop above the doe line a few times. Okay. Now does that hold true for, uh, let's say something in early season or are you more focusing on kind of that, that rut sweet spot? Yeah, this one was really late October to early November, but I think there's another thing too that, um, you know, even, even after this conversation, uh, if questions come in or if like you're curious in some things, we can go back and look at some things and, um, one thing I've been working on this season is is how to get the data in a in a better format so that I can more easily do these types of uh, analysis this type of analysis because it's actually really tricky to do given the way the data is. Um, but I finally have it in a good spot where I can do these types of things. Like one thing I'm really curious to look at is late season. Are there particular times in the late season that are actually really good? Because 
you know, if you hunt late season Wisconsin, it's like a crapshoot. But sometimes you can, you know, a big bruiser will come rolling through, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, so I'm curious to see kind of late season activity. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So now I got to touch on, I mean, I'm, I'm just wrapping up the rutcation, right? I want to hear about rut timing and what people are actually seeing. So I've got a lot of good buddies that say, man, that last week of October is magic. Like that's when I want to be yep. in the woods. Then I talk to other mm-hmm. people and they say that first week of November, that's when I want to be in the woods. For me personally, mm-hmm. it's always been the second week of November, you know, 7th, 8th, 9th, 7th through the 12th, 14th even. Uh, I, I've seen I, the best hunt that I ever had. I saw two mature bucks in the same morning. Another nice eight point came through, probably a three-year-old. Uh, that was on November 14th. Um, so I'm curious to hear, you know, when it comes to the rut, how does that play out for your data? Like when are most guys really starting to see a lot of activity? Because I've always looked at that last week of October and that first week of November, like, yeah, it's good, but it's not as good as it's going to get, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like, you know, another one that you hear is like Halloween, like you got to be out Halloween night, mm-hmm. like, and that's when things really start to, to, to kick off. And so, you know, there's a lot of factors that can play into the rut and there's a lot of theories out there too. Like you have, um, the, the rutting moon theory, which, you know, keys off of, uh, autumnal equinox and the second moon after that. And how is that going to play into the rut of whether it's going to be like a really intense breeding or it's going to be more of like a trickle rut where it plays out a little bit longer over November. Um, but then the QDMA and national deer association did a really interesting study over about six years to like, regardless of the moon, when was peak breeding and their data shows that it was really consistent to be around the same time in November, regardless of when the moon was. Um, and I think that's like some of the best research I've seen as far as like actual deer activity. Cause it, it, they also in their diagram show when the moon was at that time. Um, but the moon can always be a factor like for elk hunting the moon. moon I feel like the moon plays a big role in September as far as elk activity and, and bugling and stuff. So I do pay attention to the moon. Um, so anyways, this, this particular study was looking at last season's rut activity. Since we're in the middle of it right now, we don't, we don't really have anything um, yet. But if you think, if you take into consideration the, the rutting moon theory for last year, that second full moon hit pretty late in November. And so what that means then, if you follow that, that theory is it's going to be more of your like prolonged or trickle rut because that second moon is later on in November, not during peak breeding. And um, it was interesting once I started to plug this data in and plot the lines is that that activity actually mapped to that. And so um, kind of your first question this, this study is across all Midwestern states, so like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, Illinois, um, Ohio, and Indiana. And so it's looking at all, hunts across all that. And basically, it's funny because everybody targets that first week in November. Like the, the peak of activity as far as hunters was um, that first week of November, which like, again, like, you know, we hear that from everybody. That's when they want to be out there. Yep, yep. But the, but the interesting thing is, is that if you look at the deer scene for hunts, again, this is normalized across like how many people are actually out in the woods, that the activity was actually prolonged deeper into November. And so if this chart in this blog post, basically you see a, a, a sharp peak of amount of guys out in the woods and gals out in the woods, and then it falls off pretty quick. Whereas the actual, like the 
your scene stayed longer throughout the month of November. So if you were one of those guys that didn't get out later in November, you might have missed a chance. So it's just interesting to see this in this particular case for last year, the data backs up more of that like kind of running moon theory. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. This episode is brought to you by Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. Deer Lab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, like deer or turkeys or people. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com now for your free 30-day trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to purchase, you can use the code WISCONSIN, all caps, at checkout for 20% off of any of their plans. Yeah, and I'm curious too, um, uh, on your on the the graph on the um, on the blog post that you've got. So hunter efforts go up, and deer movement appears to come down a bit, and then mm-hmm. rise back up as hunter efforts come down. And that was specific to Wisconsin. Pennsylvania had a little bit of a different, you know, look yep. to it. I'm curious. Do you do you think that that daylight sightings and daylight movement was potentially suppressed by, you know, hunter efforts going up. Yeah. And so I think also too, um, another factor there, it was the weather during that month. So earlier in the month, it was warmer okay. and you see a cold front push through. And, um, in that same blog post, I have kind of the November weather trends. Um, and you see it get colder later in the month, which like the weather for, you know, it, for this rut, it's been some some really warm weather throughout the Midwest during the rut so far. Um, so I think that probably played more of a factor with that uh, as far as last year. Yeah, man, I yeah I hunted from October thirty first until you know day before yesterday, basically. And in that time frame, I hunted in the seventies. I hunted yeah. some pretty chilly mornings. I hunted in thunderstorms. I hunted in just pouring down rain. Uh, I had it all, man. Like this was like the rut of all ruts as far as just the ups and downs with weather. And then I'll be honest with you. I'm real pumped that I'm not hitting the woods tomorrow because it's going to be in the twenties, you know, and just Mm -hmm. super cold weather on the way. So um, now that might be cool and you might see awesome rutting activity, but I'd rather just go ahead and get one when it's kind of warm out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you already punched your tag this week, so you're all good. Yeah, man, all, all set. So I'll head back to Georgia, and I'll be hunting in Georgia when that when that cold front rolls through. So that should be uh, that should be pretty good. So let's talk now about the kind of uh, middle of the week activity, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, and I think um, so. This is what's like really fun with with doing um, this research is like I know these theories, and so when I'm like starting to like get the data in place and then plot these lines. And I see the kind of chart come to life. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, this is super interesting. And so this one, this one caught my eye cause um, basically, so the chart we were talking about before is more kind of on a, on a per week basis, just kind of like looking week to week, what's happening. 
but then I broke it out by day. Um, and again, this is the last two weeks of October through November. And the really interesting thing is again, looking at hunter activity and then average deer scene. And you see big pops on the weekend as far as the uh, hunter activity, which like, you know, totally get, you know, folks are in the woods harder on the weekend. But then the interesting thing in the trend, what the trends show is that the average deer scene pops above the amount of hunters that are out there, it pops above that line midweek a couple times. And it does that consistently for about, I think, four out of the six weeks that we were looking at. And so that one's like, huh, like, that's interesting that actually, yes, we can get out in the woods on the weekend and um, that's, that's when we can hunt. But this one was like, you know what, if you can burn some PTO days and, and get out midweek, it's actually probably worth it given the activity that we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So when, like, when would you say, I mean, is the Tuesday good enough? Or are you thinking like, Hey, wait till Wednesday, hit it hard Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, and then really get after it. Yeah. So then I think this is like another theory where like, so why, why is there not as much activity on the weekends? And I think the best theory is, is probably like, there's just more activity. Like there's more pressure and, and the deer know that like these deer are smart. They know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and so if they're seeing, if, if that activity is picking up Friday night, they're likely not moving as much over the weekend. Um, unless there's like a super hot doe running around, then like, you know, all bets are off if a, yeah. if a hot doe's running around, like then it's game on. But um, my hunch is that post weekend, like it takes a couple of days for things to settle down. And then, you know, you look at uh, Wednesday, Thursday into Friday morning, are like some primo times to be out there just because that's, that's given the, the woods enough time to rest a bit from the activity from the weekend. Yeah. So you mentioned that you've got the ability, like, you know, all of these things that have been passed down from hunter to hunter over the years, and you can kind of start to compare them to the data. Is there any like wives tale or theory that the data has just blown out of the water that you were like, well, that's not true. Uh, I mean, that's a great question. I, I don't, um, I think the, I mean, the most interesting one to me was like, was the midday thing. Yeah. Um, just because like, because deer are crepuscular, they move in the mornings and evenings. Like you do just see more activity. Um, but that one was really interesting just to see how the midday played out. Um, but I, I, so I was hoping, I was hoping that the research looking at last year was going to, uh, challenge the writing moon theory and be like, no, actually there wasn't, uh, you know, prolonged deer activity, like at a heightened level. But, this one actually supported it. So I'm like, okay, well maybe oh. there's something there. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing is like, I think, um, um, and that's another thing I'm thinking about as far as with quiver is how else to use this data to leverage it. Cause like now that I have it in a workable spot, I can start to, to use it then to drive more of these insights. And like, I honestly feel like I'm sitting on a gold mine of data here. Cause like, these are questions that hunters want to know. And like, I can look in. So it's like, you know, we were chatting about, because we, we also have a lot of users in Pennsylvania. And so I wanted to look at Pennsylvania. We also have a lot of users in New York. And I want to, like, so I want to start to break this out more state by state and region by region and, and try to do more of that. Because I think, like, even that regional information is um, is super important. I always get flack from the Southern guys, though, because, like, the, the, as you know, like, the rut time is just so different that it's, like, oh, yeah. really hard to, to apply, the, like, some of these Midwestern things to it. But... Yeah. Yeah. So let's just bring it all full circle. Then when it comes to the data that you've got and what you've seen, 
if you're going to pick a handful of days based off of what you know now, when are you going to be hunting the rut? When are you going to target that, that PTO time? Like, let's say you can't even hunt weekends unless you take PTO. Mm-hmm. So when are, when are, when is going to be your, your target dates and maybe what days of the week? And then mm-hmm. how often are you going to be doing an all day sit? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, this, this is like, you know, the million dollar question coming into every season. Right. Um, and so I think there's a couple of factors that you have to take into play is, um, you know, obviously it's, you know, based on like the historical activity you're seeing from the, the deer that you have on camera. So like, I think that's important, but like if I had, uh, cause I live in Denver now and if I had to pick a trip, so like when I'm going to go back to Wisconsin to hunt, um, I'm definitely going to not, I'm, I'm going to burn PTO. I'm not going to try to come back and just hunt the weekend. Um, I would probably, if I had my, my pick, it'd be like fly back on a Monday. Um, if, if, if all the stars aligned, um, again, weather front, you know, cold front pushing through, uh, fly back on a Monday and you're going to hit either that first or second week of November to hunt that, like, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like, I think that midweek time would just be amazing. And then also for like, you know, if you have kids and you're working, I guess it's a really peaceful time to get away and you're not out there when there's a lot of other people out there. But I still think those first two weeks of, of November can be magic. Um, so that, that's when I would, I would be, you know, zeroing in on. Yeah. But kind of like you mentioned earlier though, like if you haven't punched a tag by that second week of November, there's still a lot of good hunting left to be done yep. you know, prior to the gun season. Like that yep. third week can, I mean, that activity does not really even dip off, right. um, you know, that deer activity. And, and like I've, like I mentioned earlier, I can't remember if we were on air or if this was before we started recording, but you know, I've always heard, um, you know, basically by that third week of November, it's like, Oh, they're all locked down. They're done. They're not, they're not doing anything, but the data, right. the data doesn't really seem to report to support that. Yeah. And that was another kind of like surprising thing. I thought for sure, like with the gun season happening around Christmas, like it would, I'm sorry, not Christmas, Thanksgiving. I thought it would fall off big time, but that wasn't the case here. Um, so yeah, like for, for folks that are listening to this now that haven't punched their tag, like there's still hope, like those deer will be moving. Yeah. <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> Water went down the wrong pipe there. I'm gonna have to edit all kinds of stuff out of here. All right. So looking at the future of quiver app, right? Like, so what, what can we look forward to? What are you hoping to do? Where are you hoping to take this? Like, what are the long-term goals uh, of what you would like to see this kind of turn into? Yeah. um, So for me, this has always been like a a way to combine my like product building experience with like my passion for the outdoors. And like, um, I still want to pursue that. Like I, it's, I just have so much fun working on this project. Like I do it on my, you know, spare time, you know, early in the morning before the kids get up and at night. And it's mainly a labor of love just because I love getting feedback from users. I love seeing the activity in the app. And you know, as I mentioned before, like I live kind of vicariously through the users during the, during the white tail season. Like it's hard for me to get back right now. Um, so I think for me, that's what I'm trying to figure out is like how to um, broaden the audience and just get like spread the awareness around it. Cause I, I don't have a ton of money to go and, and do the marketing that some of these bigger apps have, but I feel like we have hit a niche where it's like, it's super simple to use the people that do use it. Um, like I was just emailing with a user two days ago who sent me a picture of his buck and he's logged 230 hunts in the app. 
Wow. Um, and like, imagine that data set for him. Yeah. And yeah. so we, we have close to a hundred thousand hunts tracked in the app. Wow. And so, um, and when I hear these, these stories from our users and I, I see these, these folks that have been using it for that long, it's like, that's what keeps me going with this project. Cause like, there's something there and I, I get such amazing feedback from users around like how much they love using it. Like that's what keeps driving me to keep working on it. And so for me, it's like, how do I turn this into something sustainable that where I can then invest more into it over time. And so those are some things that I'm working on. Um, another thing I really want to focus on in the, in the off season here is how to then leverage this data to drive insights back into the product for users so that, based on their area and hunts being logged in their area, like what, what can we, what kind of um, predictive work can we do to, to help you make better decisions on where to sit next? Um, and then those, those are things that we would likely charge for. We're like, we'll still see, keep parts of it free. I see we again, but again, it's myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you do that with your podcast. Oh, all, but dude, I, all the time, all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, cause I, yeah, but, um, so I, still, I would like to, I want to keep it free for folks that just want to use it. And that, um, I think that's important because like, um, it at least gets people using the product and seeing the value in it. And then for folks that do want some of that more advanced, like insights and, and extra layers on it, um, you know, those are some things that we could potentially start charging for. And so I think that's the direction I want to take it and then, you know, see what else I can do on the data side. Um, just because, Again, we're keeping it, you know, in aggregate and anonymized. Like people don't have to worry about their data getting out. But like, I think there's some really interesting things here that we can use to help tell the story around like why and when deer move. Yeah. And not to mention, it's just, it's just fun. Like it's a neat little app, man. It's, it's, it's user friendly. It's clean. It's sleek, like simple to, to figure out. It's, you're not going to log in and be like, oh my goodness, what do I do now? Like, it's really clear, you know, what you yep. need to do. So where would you point folks if they want to learn more about it? If they want to download the app, is it available for yep. iPhone and Android? Like, yeah, so um, we're just on iPhone right now, and so you can go to just look for Quiver Hunting app. Um, look for us on. You can either you know Google us, and that's where you'll find the blog and all these um, all these blog posts. And then you know Josh, we can share the link so that you can send those out as well. Yep. Um, but the blog post is where we we post all that, and then. App Store, and then, you know, primarily Instagram, but not not too active on that. Need to do a better job there. Um, it's just time, man. Like, Come on, it's just, it's yeah. just time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, those are all the main places. Yeah. All right, good deal. Well, Brandon, thanks for coming on the show, man. Looking forward to seeing uh, what else comes over the next couple of uh, months and years as, as Quiver App continues to develop. Awesome. Well, thank you, Josh, for the time. I really appreciate it. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at howtohuntdeer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, Deer Lab, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. <laughs>